Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about getting reimbursed for a home birth. Nicole Kosh shares her personal story of persistence and success, along with specifics on how to navigate what can be a truly cumbersome process. Although filled with trial and error, her eight months of determination resulted in full reimbursement. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their in-depth breastfeeding program, filled with videos of actual mothers in real-life situations addressing the most common breastfeeding issues so you can be ready when baby arrives. If you plan to breastfeed, you should prepare to breastfeed. Learn more at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. As always, thank you, thank you so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. I truly appreciate your comments, requests, and of course your reviews, since those help get the show even in front of more parents. So if you enjoy what you hear, then please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. It truly, really helps. Also, if you're pregnant, here's a quick reminder to go to birthful.com and get a free copy of my postpartum preparation worksheet that you'll want to fill out before baby arrives. All right. My guest today is Nicole Kosh, who is a certified labor doula and hypnobirthing practitioner based in Orange County, California. After the birth of her first son in 2013, she was bitten by the birth bug due to her joyful and empowering birth experience. Six months later, she trained to become a hypnobirthing practitioner with long-term plans to attend births as a doula. Between baby number one and baby number two, she decided she didn't want to birth another child in the hospital, and so the plans for hiring a licensed midwife and planning to birth at home were cemented. Her boring, quote-unquote boring, home birth reaffirmed everything she believed in her heart about how she could experience true undisturbed labor. Getting reimbursed 100% for her insurance company was some unexpected but amazing icing on the cake. Nicole, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yes, and yours is such a unique and fascinating process. I mean, it's like this holy grail of how did she do it? It's a unicorn. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I mean, I didn't really have a whole lot of faith I'd be successful either, but I just kept plugging along. Yeah. So how did the idea even come to you? Like how, what, when did you realize you could be reimbursed for your home birth? I'm not really sure. It's like a chicken and the egg thing because I know it was in my midwife's office that either my midwife mentioned it. Oh, I know. I overheard a conversation in my midwife's office with one of her other clients, either talking to her or somebody else about getting her birth covered. And I don't know if I had thought about it prior to then, but when I heard that, I immediately like, you know, eavesdropped and said, I'm sorry, I was completely listening to your conversation. And now you need to come talk to me about what you're saying, because I want in on that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want some of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this, okay. So then what was the next step? Like what, where do people so, start with this process? So I was fortunate that I had her, she had already been successful. Her and I had the exact same health insurance 
um, I don't know if we had the same plan, but the same company, which was Anthem Blue Cross. And so I said, you know, give me your contact information. Would you mind sending me your steps that you took um, and helping me a little bit? I think she had not yet had her baby. So she emailed me just like literally three steps that she took and she made it sound really easy. She just called up, said, I want this exception. And they were like, sure, here you go. And then, um, so she had her baby and I kept like pressing her for more information, but she had a newborn. So she was obviously not very responsive. And so then I was like, okay, I have to, you know, dive in on my own. And, um, for me, it wasn't quite as simple as just calling them up and they said, yes. So she got really lucky and that's great. And I hope that most people get lucky, although I'm, I get the sense that that's really unusual. <laughs> no, um, it, yeah, with, with that insurance company, did you even look like what they're in their policy, in their writings? Was there any literature or did you did you even look to see if there was any literature that said whether or not they would cover home births? I did look. Um, that was one of the first things I did was really comb through my plan specifically um, because I wanted to be prepared once I spoke to somebody. And maybe I might have called like very generally to ask and see what they said. And I'm sure they said no. And then I went back to my policy for more ammunition. Um, but yeah, I remember getting the humongous document and scrolling through and just thinking like what, cause it's huge. It's, there's so much information in that plan. Like, and it's what all written in legally. Legal, oh yeah. yeah. It's like so difficult to even understand what some of it is. And, but in some ways that's to your benefit because there's room for interpretation. Like I remember looking at one part that talked about, um, it was, it, the language was something about like physician home visits. And I think that had more to do with maybe senior care or something along those lines. But I was like, well, technically I am seeking a home visit from a medical professional for the birth of my child. So maybe that's, a piece that could become useful later. So I just remember I screenshotted like a bunch of those sections and saved them all in this little folder. And I think at one point I even like printed them all out so I could have them as easy, easy reference if I needed to, while I was on the phone, like it's totally crazy OCD <laughs> habits of mine. <laughs> that was something that I would, I would totally do that too. Yeah. <laughs> as I'm reading on page five. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was one of the first things I did. Um, so in general, what was what, did it say that it was covered or not? So no, uh, I didn't end up finding anything that said it was covered outright. It was just a lot of language about um, if you because I have a I had an HMO plan, and so with the HMOs, they're generally managed by a medical group in your regional area. Um, and you are, your care is dictated primarily by your primary care physician, your, your regular doctor. Um, and so the language in the plan was really, you know, if you want an out of network provider, you need to get a referral from your primary care physician, but it doesn't have any stipulations for what's different while you're pregnant. And what I ended up finding out was my primary care physician didn't want anything to do with me while I was pregnant. She said it was out of her scope to even care for me in a lot of ways and kept referring me to an OBGYN. And when I'd say, 
I don't have an OBGYN. She was kind of like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So yeah, it was, um, it was interesting that there wasn't, there wasn't anything really said about birth outside of a hospital at all. It just was under everything in the maternity section was operating under the assumption that all women are having hospital births. Mm -hmm. But then there was the additional language of out of network providers. So I kind of focused more on the out of network provider exception process in in the general sense, instead of focusing on the maternity care services, if that makes sense. It does. And it seems to be a common route from my Googling online to try to find out more information on this. Uh Some people not even mentioning that they're pregnant at all when they're talking to their, you know, the insurance company and just focusing on getting pre-approved to have services from this out-of-network provider. Yeah. I don't know how that would work, though, because once you say midwife, it's like, well, you're probably pregnant. Well, but... (laughs) But not necessarily mention home birth. Oh, yes. That's, I see. Uh-huh. Because midwife can care for you at a hospital. That's true. Yeah, for me, one of the steps that I was given specifically by my midwife's other client was that you have to be specific in the type of midwife you're requesting an exception for because sometimes certified nurse midwives are covered um, either under the plan or are in network but they're probably at a hospital. And so my primary goal was to not not be in the hospital. And so in that case, I had to specifically ask for an exception or um, for a certified professional midwife in my case. But there's other types of midwives depending on the state that you're in and their licensure and stuff like that. But yeah, that was something I had to be really aware of, too, because I wanted a home birth specifically. And I didn't want I didn't even want a birthing center birth. I wanted a home birth with this specific provider. Mm-hmm. And so as listeners are probably getting the gist of right now, this is a very on a case by case situation by situation, circumstances by circumstances way of doing things and so what we're going to do today is paint broad strokes basically of you know going through your story and then somebody who's listening who wants to try to get their home birth reimbursed would have to kind of adapt that to their situation because for example in Alabama or in Illinois uh, certified uh, professional midwives are not allowed to do like home births are basically you can't have a, a midwife do a home birth. And home yeah, births exactly. are not illegal because you can birth wherever nobody's going to stop, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's the, it's the legality of having somebody in your home and what their li- license is for doing that. Yeah. So we can't, it's way insanely out of our scope today to try to figure oh, out. Yeah, yeah, stay. absolutely. Yeah. I don't make any guarantees when I help people with this. Like, you know, it depends on your insurance company and yeah it depends on your state laws and all sorts of that kind of stuff and I am not like I am not a medical professional I've never worked for an insurance company I've just a birth worker who has worked in customer service so I have a little more familiarity with like how to talk to other customer service professionals um but yeah I don't yeah, it's really like you're a bringer of on... hope, Nicole. You're a bringer of hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I have some advice, but I don't, you know, I have no idea how it's going to work. 
for everybody because there's so many um, unique circumstances. And there's things like, I get a lot of questions about Kaiser members. I don't think that this would ever work with Kaiser, or not ever. I don't like to say ever. I don't think that this is likely to work for Kaiser because Kaiser is such a specific healthcare entity unto itself. Um, and other things like um, government uh, insurance or military insurance, those tend to be a little more, they're not as much a participant in the free market of insurance plans. So I don't know how, how influenced they would be by um, consumer demand, which is kind of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But I still say try because you never know. And yeah. if enough people try, maybe it will influence something. Well, right. And that brings perfect segue to my study. I found a study from 2002, which is so long ago. Yeah. Um, which is the name of the study is Forces Promoting Health Insurance Coverage of Home Birth, a Case Study in Washington State. So they were looking to see, like, huh, what causes home births to be covered by insurance? And the, their conclusion was that results suggest that consumer demand was an important precipitating factor without which changes to health insurance coverage would likely not have been made. Additionally, changes in state policies and professional mobilization on the part of licensed midwives were critical factors facilitating the widespread, widespread reimbursement for home birth. Healthcare organizations' concerns for cost containment had little impact on this health insurance trend. Our study concludes that jurisdictional openings in the system of professions can be facilitated by, by a small number of strategically positioned individuals. So, <laughs> all that to say that it's consumer demand plus midwives trying to get legislation changed mm -hmm. and all of that happening at the right place at the right time, strategic by strategically positioned individuals, yes. can, can get things changed. So that's what we need to be, strategically positioned individuals. Indeed. <laughs> and especially in this like big limbo of health insurance situation that we are at yeah. currently in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. So um, who, who funded that study or who did that study? Oh, my goodness. I would have to... I don't have the study. I just copied that in front of oh, my notes okay. right now, but I will link to the study um, on the show notes. So definitely look at the show notes uh, when you're listening to this because the, the link will be there. I just <laughs> I just copy paste it on my notes. <laughs> you screenshotted a little snippet of what you wanted, just like I did with all my notes. <laughs> yeah, no, I, just, I actually copy paste it. It's like the text oh, in, my, in my in my in my. Um, document with my questions for you <laughs> <laughs> i love yeah. it yeah so let's go to your specific case walk us through it from the beginning like okay you found out you could this could be a possibility and then what did you do so um it was such a long time ago so i had my baby uh, he was born 12 12 15 so he's 15 months um and so i started this in July of 2015 it's been a little while and some of those early details are hazy but like I said I started with the advice that that woman had given me I was googling um or I was um you know combing through my insurance plan I was googling like 
home birth insurance coverage and came up with some various blog articles and message board conversations. And um, actually, the most helpful information I came across was on a website called uh, gentlebirth.org. And it's run by um, a home birth midwife in California who, and it's just like all sorts of different kinds of midwifery information regarding um, like her practice. So I think it's geared towards other midwives, but there was a lot of information about home birth and insurance and that. So that was a really great resource for me too. And then I just started making phone calls and being the, uh, I don't know, OCD like person that I am. Um, and also being in consumer relations and customer service, I got a, like a little booklet and I made sure that I had it with me every time I made a phone call and I wrote down the date that I was calling the time that I was calling. And I always asked for the name of the person I was speaking to whoever, wherever I was calling. And I wrote that down too. And then I would just take notes from our conversations and I, I had it all in one place and I just made sure to have it with me anytime. I made a call and that really helped me to stay organized and have um, like recourse if somebody questioned something that I had questioned information that I had gotten previously or by somebody else. Um, So I just started calling and first I called Anthem and they told me that I would need to talk to the medical group um, first to see if they could help me. And, um, essentially what I did was ask the insurance company and the medical group for, to check, to see if there was a certified professional midwife within 50 miles of my location. Um, In network. In network. Yeah. Um, so knowing that they would likely tell me. No, because I already knew the answer to that. But I kind of had to play dumb, which is what this other woman kind of said to do. So uh, they would say no. And I would say, okay, well, then I would like an out-of-network exception letter. And um, they told me that I would need a referral from my primary care physician. So there's a lot of, you know, this kind of passing the buck type of stuff. So then I went to my primary care physician. And at the time, I had this really interesting doctor And his office ended up writing me the referral, um, despite not really being clear on why I needed it or what it was. Like, they kept calling it a gynecologist and not an obstetrician. And I'm like, you're a medical office. Shouldn't you know the difference between those two? But I digress. And um, so we submitted the referral to the medical group, but the medical group denied it. And um, I'm trying to remember what the reason they sent me like a formal letter. Oh, and that was the other thing. It was important to get a, a denial letter in writing. So they mailed it to me. So I made sure to ask for that uh, because then I took that denial to Anthem, the parent insurance company, you know, and said that I was denied, you know, what can you do for me? Um, and eventually I got... So there was a lot of no's. I got told no by Anthem at least four or five times, just like no matter what I had, no matter what information I had, it just simply wasn't covered by my plan and there are no exceptions, which 
I thought was insane because that's the point of an exception. There's, there's always room for exceptions in life in every situation, especially knowing that an insurance company with a large customer service department, that's the point of customer service is to make exceptions where it's appropriate. So sometimes I would ask to speak to a supervisor which is always a good trick when you're trying to get something from a customer service department because <laughs> usually the reps that you talk to, their hands are a little bit tied with how much leeway they can give. So when you speak to the supervisor, they're usually able to do a little more. Um, but even the supervisors, sometimes they fought me pretty hard. And I remember making phone calls at work and kind of yelling on the phone. And my coworkers were like, are you okay? Is your baby okay? Because you're yelling at your insurance a lot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm just trying to get my home birth covered. But, um, so I got told no a lot and I think that's the thing that other people have a hard time with is they hear no and they just think that's the end, but I never give up on things like this. So I just kept calling and eventually I got somebody on the phone who was a little more willing to help me. Um, and she was just a rep, but she said, you know, I want to help you. Let me have you talk to my supervisor and her supervisor was super helpful and she helped me file a formal appeal of the medical group's denial. So she did this with me over the phone, but every insurance carrier has this process available. Um, so it will depend on your insurance carrier, how that appeals process works. Um, it was easy for me cause she just did it with me over the phone. She just asked me a few questions and she submitted it for me. Sometimes you can go on the insurance carrier's website and uh, submit it that way. Or sometimes, you know, you might have to write a, an actual letter and mail it snail mail. Um, so it kind of depends. But she submitted that for me. And then I there was a lot of waiting. So then I waited. Uh, I don't know how long I waited for a letter. Um, I got a letter that confirmed the appeal. And, um, but then I had to keep following up. One of the other things that I made sure to do every time I was speaking to somebody and there was some sort of action. So they would say, well, I need to check with so-and-so and then I'll get back to you. And then I would say, okay, when could I expect a response or when should I call you back to check up on that? And they would say, well, it will take five to seven business days. So then I would look at my calendar and say, okay, so then on, this date, I can call you back to check on that. And they would say yes. And I would write down that date. And I would set a reminder in my phone to call back on that date so that, you know, nobody was um, leaving me behind, essentially. Because when you're out of sight, you're out of mind. So I kept doing that. Um, I asked, you know, when can I expect to hear a decision about the appeal? She gave me a date. I'd call back. And they would say, oh, it's processing. Let me check you know, the status and, um, let me push it through for you. And I had to do that quite a few times and it took, you know, quite a few months. It took uh, at least three to five months, um, after the appeal was filed. And eventually I got the most magical phone call. I was sitting and eating lunch by myself and, uh, somebody called me up and said, hi, this is so-and-so from Anthem. And I just wanted to call and let you know that your appeal was approved. And you'll be getting your out-of-network exception letter in the mail and da-da-da. And I'm like, 
you know, I want to kiss this person on the other end of the phone. I'm like crying so happy, like, Oh, I'm thank you so much. And then I just waited, um, for that letter. And that letter is like the golden ticket to submitting the claim for reimbursement. So then I got that letter. I made a million copies of it. I scanned it into my computer. I got a super bill from my midwife and I submitted the bill plus the exception letter through the claims department of Anthem and then waited for my check. So I waited probably another couple months for the check and it showed up and I cashed it immediately. <laughs> Yay! And I love how it's like, I remember where I was sitting, where they go. Oh, me. yeah, I totally do. I remember what I was eating. I was eating macaroni and cheese at the Melt at the Irvine Spectrum Mall <laughs> by myself. They say you won't remember and you won't forget anything about your birth and when you get that exception. And insurance reimbursement. Yeah. And I was just so, so thrilled. I, I was in shock for a long time that I was successful, but I was so happy and it was, it was amazing. And at this point, my baby had been born. Uh, let's see, when did I get, he was like five months old at that point, but it didn't matter. Because when you got the out of network exception. No, when you got, got the, the check. check yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally. Yeah. So, um, you know, it went right back into our bank and yeah, it was fabulous. I could buy more diapers. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. So what? Okay. So I love that story. Let's break it down to what important takeaways, what, what steps are important for people who might be listening and looking to get reimbursed. Yeah. So um, the important thing I think is the note taking aspect because um you can believe that anybody on the other line at a customer service department has a very expensive program to record your phone call and take copious notes of every detail of your conversation. So you need to kind of be armed with the same thing because you don't want to be in a situation where you call and you say, let's say you get somewhere with somebody and then they're like, but call back and say this, blah, blah, blah. So you call back and you say, hey, Michael told me that you would approve this um, and I just needed to give you this information. And you don't want them to say, well, or sorry, you would, you would say, I talked to somebody and I was supposed to call you back to get this. And they would say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Who, who did you speak to? And you'd be like, oh, well, I don't know. And they'd be like, like, when did you talk? When did you call? When did you speak to somebody? And you'd be like, oh, I don't know. And then you're kind of, you're vulnerable in that, at that point, because you don't have any recourse. They can just kind of say, well, I think you're not, I think you're wrong or you're not telling the truth. But if you say, well, I spoke to Michael on Tuesday at 12, um, and they're likely to be more, you know, receptive to believing you and, and not arguing with you about the fact that you need this information in the first place or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the note taking is, I think an important part of it. The other part, um, don't let no stop you. Don't just assume that the first rep you talk to who says no is the end because it really depends on who you get. I can't tell you how many different personalities I got on the other end of that phone um, at Anthem. 
And I imagine this is true for any company. And having been that person, I know that what I did for customers depended on, you know, a lot of things. It would depend on the customer. It might depend on stuff that was going on, you know, at work. So you never know um, who you're going to get. And if you get somebody who's just not really wanting to help you, just call back a couple days later. I mean, it's such a big department, you're likely to get somebody else. And keep trying different people until you get, you know, a little bit more in. Yeah, and I was that was one of the things I was going to ask you, like, how often did you call? How often? Because and you were saying before that you were yelling at somebody on the phone. (laughs) And I'm thinking, well, did that get you anywhere? Or did you have to like call three days and try it again? Yeah, so yelling at that supervisor didn't get me anywhere. But (laughs) um, and, and that's exactly what happened. I called, I probably called and got like, a and started over with a new person maybe four times. So the first couple of times, um, I think I didn't get, a. Uh, I don't, I think the first time I didn't ask for a supervisor, the second time I might've, and the third time I think was when I yelled at a supervisor. And then the fourth time I just happened to get that nice person. Um, so yeah, the yelling, I, I do not recommend you yell at anybody. That is not an official endorsement for yelling at customer <laughs> service people. <laughs> I was just pregnant and frustrated and I'm sure your listeners can connect to that very deeply, but, um, the yelling didn't get me anywhere anyway. So it's probably not an effective, uh, way to go about it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I just, I did, but I didn't let that deter me either. I, I just, I realized that the, I was not going to get anywhere with that person, but there was going to be somewhere, there was going to be somebody somewhere who was willing to help me. And, you know, I believe in the the law of attraction and I visualized that that person was there. She existed or he existed. They were going to help me and I just needed to keep at it. And I was eventually going to find them. And I did. And it was, it was amazing how it worked out. (laughs) My husband has, like, if he's listening, if you would be listening to this, he would be cracking up because I have a, a similar approach some days to things yeah and my approach is ask again and yeah he loves this story we were at like in an apple store and i was trying to get my earbuds had died and i wanted to for my ipod and i wanted new you know new ones and it was kind of like covered kind of you know it was yeah. if it's an iphone they give you one with no questions asked but yeah. without it they're like ah oh, you have to make an appointment and see a genius and blah 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 right and so I asked the guy, you know, and he's like, oh, I have to check with my supervisors. He comes back and he says, yeah, supervisors say no, said no. And I looked at him and I said, can you ask him again? And, and the guy looked at me like, what? And my husband was looking at us and going, and I'm like, yeah, can, can you ask him again? And he's like, okay, I, I will see. And he went and he asked him again and came back with the earbuds. Huh. Funny how that works. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so true too. Like, and especially with this process, um, I and I've gleaned this from other things I've learned about insurance claims in general. Is in if they, it's easy for them to just say no and push you away until they realize you're not going anywhere. So you know, just like you asking again for the earbuds, the manager was probably like, "Well, she's probably not going to leave." 
until she gets these earbuds. So it's easier for me now to just say, yes, this shall go away. And it's not really that much, you know, it's not a problem. Whereas before the easier thing for him to do was just say no, because you were likely to go away. But once you were not likely to go away, it's easier to say yes. So that's a kind of thought process you can have when going through this too, is, you know, if they realize you're not going anywhere, then it becomes easier for them to just approve it <laughs> instead yeah. of continuing to fight you. So, um, we're going to have to take a quick break right now, uh, but okay. we will be right back. And I want to ask you a bit more about that customer service, like tips and tricks. We'll be right back. Great. As you have probably heard me say many times, naturalbreastfeeding.com has a fantastic free video on how to get breastfeeding off to a great start. But did you know that they also have a more in-depth course to help tackle all your breastfeeding concerns from newborn to baby and beyond? The program includes videos of real mothers in real life situations so you can see what breastfeeding is actually like. Are you unsure of what to look for in a latch? Nervous about engorgement or mastitis? Concerned with pumping? Learn simple and straightforward solutions to the most common issues so you can avoid potential problems like cracked or blistered nipples. Go check it out at naturalbreastfeeding.com where listeners to the Birthful podcast can now get a $50 discount off the regular price. That's an amazing deal. Click the program button at naturalbreastfeeding.com to find out more and get in on this fantastic offer. And we are back. And so here's one thing that like my experience with customer service and I think Sometimes I just, ha I don't know, it's like si Elaine and Seinfeld, where <laughs> I'm always afraid that they're putting notes next to my file yeah. and saying, no, this is just say no, just no, this person's like no good, this is just a difficult patient, whatever. Like, what yeah. is the truth behind that? It's true. <laughs> okay, so why does, did all your no's in this case still work? I'm not sure. And maybe, you know, maybe it's just the companies that I worked for. We did things like that and, and not, not notes that necessarily said this is a difficult person, but just like, if they see that the notes state that the person's been difficult, you know, we handle it a little differently, but I'm not sure. I mean, when I say I yelled at that supervisor, I was still very respectful and professional. Um, I never used any bad language, uh, you know, my voice just got a little louder. So I think that's important too, is if you start speaking disrespectfully to somebody, then you're really, you're not going to get anywhere after that. Cause you're right. They, they will note that. And, um, they're likely to blacklist you a little bit. Probably. <laughs> I have no evidence to suggest that for insurance companies specifically, but that's been my personal experience in my line of work before. So I would say always keep it professional and, and cordial. I mean, it's, it's one of the golden rules, right? Is treat others how you want to be treated and you catch more flies with honey and things like that. So generally it's better to be that way. But I think that's probably why I didn't get, you know, completely blacklisted. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I always have that fear. Um, what, are are there any key phrases or key words that are important to for people to use during this process? Yeah, so um, you would want to. What you're asking for is an out of network exception. So that's kind of the 
key thing that you're really wanting. Um, and the other thing is when you're starting, you're asking very clearly for them to search for a certified professional midwife or a certified nurse midwife or a licensed midwife or whatever the type of midwife it is you're looking for, um, within 50 miles of my location. Um, so those were two things that I felt like were keywords to use. Um, I'm trying to think. I was honest in saying that I was interested in a home delivery. Uh, and I had, like, my compelling reasons for it, which were based on my previous hospital birth experience. So, again, that's unique to my situation. If you haven't had a, a birth at all or a hospital birth, you wouldn't be able to say anything about that. But um, so uh, I'm trying to think if you would want to avoid well, language I don't like think, that. But. Yeah, I don't, I wasn't necessarily trying to get people to not say that they were having a home birth. I was just, that mm -hmm. was the case of one of the blogs that I read mm. on, like when they were talking about their specific case, that was the route they did. Yeah. So um, I think actually one of the best things you can do after you've kind of combed through your insurance plan itself is use their same language with them because that's the language that they speak and they're always going to reference your policy. So if you can look through your policy and say, you know, see what types of phrases they're using for various things um, and use that when speaking to them. Like I remember they told me, well, this is just not a covered benefit. And so I would have to look for things that may have seemed closer to being a covered benefit. For example, you know, how is giving birth not a covered benefit regardless of where it happens? Or you can ask, you know, what would happen if I accidentally gave birth at home? You know, what, how does the, how does my policy cover that? And so there's things like that where you can glean the language to use from your actual policy. And I'm sure I did a lot more of that at the time, but it's hard to remember all those specific, you know, medical and legal terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. It's been a while, which yeah. is it's crazy. But so beginning to end, we were talking, it took about eight to nine months, like a whole set of pregnancy before. Yeah. Yeah. I birthed like a whole second baby in that time. Um, but it was, there was so much trial and error for me. And I like something I didn't mention during my story was I like switched medical groups and I switched, um, I was seeing an OB for a little bit to try to get some concurrent care to get like some of the tests covered by my insurance plan easier and things like that. So there was some, you know, there was probably a couple months of time doing that kind of stuff that made it longer that I don't think other people would necessarily run into because they're not, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and coming to me for help with this, you're not starting completely from scratch. So hopefully it wouldn't quite, couldn't take quite so long, but it was definitely a, it was a long process. Be in it for the long haul. That's for sure. And I think that's a, that is something that came up and again and again in the in the blogs that I read and I did uh get to I did find that section on gentle birth mm -hmm. uh org, which is it's funny because every so often I run into that site and it has fabulous information but it looks very it's very pared down 
It, oh, it looks like it's from 1993, <laughs> which is so funny to me. <laughs> but so, it's got, like, amazing content. <laughs> yeah, so don't let that steer you no. away from it. She knows her stuff, and it's really good. It just looks yeah. like she doesn't. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's not a pretty, you know, professional flash website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in that, she had... a. So you said you submitted Super Bill, you had gotten your your exception, and then that was paid. She had it a little different where she had the midwife break everything down and then submitted things at different times. And I think that way it was easier to get it covered or less things got pushed back or I, I can't yeah. quite remember. Yeah, but she had it like a different approach in that sense. So, yeah, if your midwife is willing to kind of, like, be your partner and and fight for you with this, then that's wonderful. And there's certainly a lot of things that she, he or she, could do differently um, on their end as the provider. My midwife, she's one of the busiest midwives in Orange County, and um, she didn't, she doesn't, she just didn't know about a lot of this stuff. And I felt more comfortable doing it myself. She did give me the name of like an insurance biller that she works with. And I don't even remember if I got in touch with her, but I am the type of person where I feel the need to control a lot of things in my life. So I just felt more confident being able to fight my insurance company by myself. But yeah, like the gentlebirth.org website, she's coming from it from like a midwife's perspective of of helping clients get reimbursed. So that's certainly another avenue people could take if they have a midwife that's willing and, and eager to help out in that way, which I'm guessing a lot would be. Um, it just depends on if they have the time because mm -hmm. I think yeah. it is it's time consuming for them as well. Yeah. And, um, and I think she was also talking about, it wasn't so much like there was the other path. We talked about the getting a, a in-network reimbursement for out-of-network provider. Yes. But she was talking about also of getting the prearranging coverage, for getting a pre-approval on it. And the path that she was suggesting was about the, you know, the reason why was proposing to save the money. And then she even had some steps of, you know, if you deny my appeal and then I will take it to the go you know this government office and then i would and then eventually i'll take it to small claim courts like there were all these steps that that was an intrant like a different path and that was really interesting so i will link to it on the show notes but you know considering that for you the compelling reasons for doing a home birth were compare you had those reasons to compare from your previous birth if somebody mm -hmm. doesn't have those reasons then maybe needing to, you know, proposing how this is going to save the money. I think at one point she even said, and if not, I will go to your board of directors yeah. <laughs> meeting and let the, you know, let your stakeholders know how you are not wanting to save the money. And it, that was yeah. really funny. Yeah. yeah, that's like a whole other side to this that I never had to delve into was essentially convincing the insurance carrier that it was going to save them money. Because, I mean, let's be honest, we, most of us know that home birth out of pocket is so much cheaper than even a boring vaginal hospital birth. And that ugh, vaginal hospital births vary depending on the hospital and the 
and the location in the country. And so um, that's certainly like another avenue somebody could take, you know, if you didn't have a previous birth experience. Mm-hmm. And she has it. She has. I don't. So again, I don't have an experience doing it that way. But there's such good resources for that too. And I was prepared. I had that information like ready in case I needed it, and then in case I just kept getting no, I was ready for my next like argument. You know what I mean? I was like, well, then I'm going to write this really professionally worded letter stating exactly how much money I was going to save them. And this is going to convince them. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and it speaks back to that not taking a no for an answer and continue that there's still more routes. And I think that's the hardest, the hardest thing to do, especially when you're pregnant. Yeah. Just knowing you're going to spend annoying bureaucratic phone calls for whoever, however long for months until you got your money back. Yeah, but I was just so highly motivated. I mean, there was, and I actually feel very privileged and fortunate that we could afford my midwife's fee out of pocket up front. And I know a lot of people are not in that position, and that's really difficult. And I would never tell somebody to go into debt paying a midwife in the assuming that they're going to get reimbursed, because then that will put you in a pretty dangerous financial situation after your baby is born. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily the best way to go about it either. And I'm, I was lucky, but it became like, uh, it became less about the money for me at one point than just like, you know, fighting the man. Like I was going (laughs) to win this victory for all home birthing women. (laughs) Yes. And I'm so happy you did. You got your check and it is a great point of, you know, yes, telling people out there, do not, if you don't have the money up front, don't necessarily, like, it may or may not happen. There's no guarantees, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. There is things, I've heard people doing things, though, like, um, you know, instead of a traditional baby registry, you can ask for, you can, like, set up a GoFundMe and ask for donations for your home birth midwife. Or um, some people take out like no interest credit cards for the first year and pay and just pay it off before the interest goes up. Uh, and that way you're kind of like covered that way. So you don't have to pay the lump sum in a short amount of time. So there's other ways to kind of go about it. But yeah, yeah. I just I wouldn't want anybody to think like, well, I'm going to get reimbursed. So it doesn't matter if I spend this money that I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. No, do both things. Do the the no interest credit card and the, and then get reimbursed. Yeah. I mean, that's like a win-win because you don't have, you can pay it in small, small installments and then also get the money back in the end if it works out. So definitely a safer route. Yes. Very, very good. I apologize for that phone. My crazy phone that rings like in five different places. (laughs) (laughs) it's a life on call Um, yes it is (laughs) nicole thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about you know sharing your story and i'm so happy you got reimbursed that's fantastic i know yes thank you so much i i enjoy it i tell people on social media all the time like contact me and i'll send you my tips and tricks and i'll help you i want to help people get their home births covered. I want more access to out-of-hospital birth for those who want it. Um, and things are slowly changing. You know, here in California, Medi-Cal is starting to cover midwifery services, and that's been an exciting development. So 
I'm just hoping to be part of that upswell. Mm-hmm. And so if people want to contact you and follow what you do, because you're also a doula and you also do other birthy things. So Yes. So I do all sorts of birthy things. I'm a certified hypnobirthing practitioner and a certified labor doula. Um, so on top of being a mother to two rambunctious boys. Um, but my website is hypnobirthingoc.com. I live in Orange County, so my business is Hypnobirthing Orange County. Um, so if you just Google Hypnobirthing Orange County, I'll probably come up. And my um, email address and everything is on my website. And I welcome people to email me anytime and just let me know you're looking to get your home birth covered. And I will forward you my email. I'm hoping really soon um, to come up with a more formalized how-to guide for this kind of information. Um, and so I'm working on a rebrand and it will coincide with that. So if you, you know, look me up on Facebook, you know, it's hypnobirthing OC on Facebook, uh, hypnobirthing OC on Instagram. If you follow me on all those places, I will be making announcements as that is coming closer and when I release it and I'll, you know, I want to share it with the world. So I'm excited. Fantastic. Very good. And so that is the clear way to get in contact. Send her messages. Nicole loves that. Hypnobirthingoc.com. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so, so much again for being on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful. So come say hi. If this show has significantly helped you, then please consider becoming a supporting patron at patreon.com slash birthful. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The title song for this podcast is Vibe Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Sabrisky. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>